Good morning, Northies. It's good to be with you again. And a special shout out to my small group from church. And we get together and watch church together and then have morning tea after that. Now, obviously, I can't be with you right now, but uh, I'll race around as soon as I'm finished here and uh, join in for morning tea. So see you guys soon. This message today is mostly an introduction to our new series, which is based on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And if you have a Bible handy, I encourage you to turn to Philippians now and we'll look at some verses in a few moments' time. Last week, Pam wrapped up our series on the Beatitudes, looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, that says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Pam pointed out that we're blessed when we're persecuted for being righteous in our beliefs and our behaviour and actions and attitudes and make a stand for the gospel. We're blessed because we know we're taking ground for God, even when we're persecuted. And there is joy in this. And this beatitude has a strong link to our brand new series, as the letter to Philippians has a strong focus on joy in times of suffering. And you'll see as we continue into the series that despite the suffering, Paul chooses to emphasise the joy that he has rather than the hard times. In fact, in Philippians 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. So Paul makes a strong case for rejoicing in the midst of suffering for the sake of the gospel. But what about when suffering is not directly related to spreading the gospel of Jesus? Can we still find joy at those times? What about the person who's suffered long-term chronic pain? Or what about the retired couple who are empty nesters and they're planning to travel and do all these things and one of them is taken by illness? What about the person suffering separation and loneliness? Or the young mum with two young kids whose husband passes away from cancer just three weeks after diagnosis? What about the long-term unemployed or those who suffer anxiety and depression? Can joy be for them as well? I believe it can. But there's two things that I don't want to do in this message. The first is I don't want to give any superficial or shallow answers to some of these questions. These are significant things that people face in the challenges of life. But if that's you at the moment, if it's hard to even think about the concept of joy or feel that it's absolutely impossible, I want to encourage you during this service to really press into God and to take those big questions that you have and ask him for some answers, to read through the book of Philippians and listen carefully to our series, to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a special word and to seek answers to those questions. Don't close the door on joy because you don't feel that it's part of your life. However, in acknowledging the hard times that we go through, the second thing I don't want to do is water down what I read in the Bible about joy, where we're constantly reminded that joy is actually a spiritual reality. Joy is God's gift to the believers. Fundamentally, it's the deep down assurance that all is right between us and God. It's independent of our circumstances. It's based on those biblical truths. Now, to measure joy according to what's happening around us is using the wrong means of assessment. 
Our temporal happiness is not the outcome of joy. I want to continue to set the scene for this series by looking at a few of the Bible verses that show exactly what the spiritual realities of joy can be. And the first of those is found in Psalm 51. And it teaches us that joy can be restored. And David wrote this psalm after doing some horrible things. And he just felt he was so separated from God. Just couldn't be re uh, reconciled with him. And he writes, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And he knew that feeling of joy, that feeling of, of being saved and belonging to God could be restored. Another thing we learn about joy in the Word of God is that we get joy from keeping God's commandments. In John chapter 15, Jesus himself says, If you keep my commands and sorry, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So keeping God's commands keeps us in his love and keeps our joy complete. Another spiritual truth about joy is that we get that by seeking after the things of God. Paul writes in Romans, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so to seek after the things of this world don't give us joy. It's the things of God that give us joy. Another truth is that trusting in God brings joy. Further in Romans, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love this Old Testament verse from the book of Habakkuk. Funny name, great verse. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. That describes the world gone completely mad. Severe drought, everything fails, nothing to live on. No point getting up and going out in the fields to try and grow something because it won't work. Not being able to provide for the family, not being able to earn any money. Desperate times, yet the writer says, I will find reason to be joyful in God my Saviour. The writer has the right way of measuring joy. And this final verse is from Psalm 30. And it says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And this verse acknowledges the challenging times, but also gives the promise of hope. And that's the title of our series. Joy comes in the morning and it comes from that psalm. Joy comes in the morning. And that's linked with our 2020 theme of a new day, because a new day certainly can bring a fresh promise of hope and joy. So as mentioned, this series will focus on the study of Philippians with various aspects of joy. And they're just some of the biblical truths about joy. Weeping may last through the night, and sometimes the night can feel like it's a very, very long time, but joy comes in the morning. Here's a little bit of context about the letter to the Philippians. The book is one of the New Testament letters 
that Paul wrote to towns he'd visited on his missionary journeys. And he wanted to write to them to encourage them and to teach them as they uh, learnt the faith. The book of Philippians was written to the people who lived in Philippi. Now, originally that was just a small village, but in around 357 BC, the father of Alexander the Great conquered that town and set it up as a Roman military stronghold. But it gained fame in 47 BC when Octavius and Mark Antony brought their armies to battle Brutus and Cassius, who were the assassins of Julius Caesar. And for those who read Shakespeare, you probably know all about that. So Philippi had a strong military and Roman setting. And so it wasn't easy to be a Christian because living in that city meant that you'll be doing things that were countercultural and oppositional to some of the common practices and beliefs. And Paul, who wrote the letter from jail, possibly in Rome, warmly encourages and supports the Philippians who are being persecuted for their faith in God. But while he shares in their sufferings, he doesn't focus on the situation. Rather, he urges them to look beyond what's happening and focus on the joy that comes from knowing God, growing in him and serving him. So let's now turn to Philippians chapter 1 and uh, have a look at a few verses there. In verse 2, Paul writes, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And this is a very common greeting that Paul gives. And you can read a number of the letters that Paul has written in the New Testament and you'll find almost those exact words. But as we move into Philippians verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. And it gives us the impression that Paul's memories and recollections of his missionary trip to Philippi some years ago creates a sense of thanksgiving and joy. He must have had a good time when he was there in Philippi. Well, he did, but that's not the total picture. You can read about Paul's trip to Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And in that chapter of Acts, there are three lives that are changed by Christ. Lydia, who was a lady who worshipped God but didn't know about Jesus a slave girl, and the jailer. And there's no time to explore those stories now, but you can read about them in Acts chapter 16. The central story of that chapter in Acts is about opposition that Paul and his companion Silas faced when they were preaching and teaching about Jesus. He faced false accusations, unfair treatment, confrontation with the city officials, physical beating, and being thrown unfairly in jail. So the joy that he has when he writes to the Philippians doesn't come from the situation that happened when he was there, but the way in which God worked through him and the people. And that's evident in the following verses, Philippians 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So everything that Paul writes about focuses on the work of God and the growth of the people of Philippi. And that's his reason for joy. It's seeing how they're growing in Christ and the glory and praise that this brings to God. So joy comes from the perspective that Paul gives to the circumstances around the visit. 
the memories of his negative experiences being beaten and put in jail, and even his current situation when he's writing of being in jail in Rome, the hardships that the Philippians are enduring, all give way to the work that God is doing. This is where his joy comes from, joy that's complete and abundant. And this is his secret. It's how he interprets what's happening around him, how he chooses to name it. I guess in, in modern terms, the hashtag that he gives would be something like hashtag God at work in all circumstances rather than hashtag unfair in prison again or hashtag oh, you poor Philippians or hashtag hope you guys can scrape through. It's tough, isn't it? I want to briefly flick to the Old Testament where we see another example of naming a hardship in a different way. In Genesis chapter 35, we read about Jacob, one of the Old Testament characters. Jacob had two wives, not uncommon in those days. I can't figure out why you do that, but anyway, that's how it was in those days. And while there's no time this morning to recall that story surrounding this, Rachel was Jacob's favourite wife, much loved. But sadly, she died giving birth to a son. And with Rachel's dying breath, she said, I want to name the boy Ben-Anai, which means son of my sorrow. Jacob, being a typical husband, didn't listen. And instead, he called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Hashtag, my son has purpose and potential. Jacob didn't want Benjamin to be forever chained to the past and the sorrow surrounding his birth. Even though it happened, there was something more to name Jacob, uh, to name Benjamin and to look forward to in his future. And names were so important in Old Testament times. In Old Testament stories, when a child is born and named, the meaning of the name is also recorded. And as the life of that child unfolds, the significance of the name becomes apparent. Now, that's just not a random Old Testament verse, because later in Philippians, in chapter 3, Paul proudly reveals that he is a member of the tribe of Benjamin. And Paul says, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. So despite thousands of years between Jacob and Paul, there's a connection between the decision Jacob made to give his son a name that transcended the sorrow surrounding his birth and gave him hope for the future. And the way in which Paul encourages the Philippians to follow his example, transcend their suffering by focusing on the complete and abundant joy in the Lord. We see that it's how we name what's happening that can cause us to either focus on our struggles or lift our eyes with joy to see God at work. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. How about you? What names have you given to hardship that you've faced? When he looked back on his own situation, how would Habakkuk name it? This is the worst drought in history. It was a devastating event. I've never had to live through such harsh and difficult times. Or would he name it a time where I relied on God more than ever and found joy in my deepening relationship with him? What are you going through now? How can you look at that 
and name it in a manner which gives hope and purpose for the future, in a manner that allows joy to be full and to be complete. You know, nothing robs joy that comes in the morning of a new day than recalling and rehashing the troubles of yesterday. It's the quickest way to kick a hole in the bucket of joy and empty it. And I wonder what impact can your interpretation and naming what you're going through now have on the future plans that God has for you, just as Jacob's renaming of Benjamin had on him. Can sorrow have purpose and potential for the future and bring joy? Or will it ever anchor us to the hardships of the past? Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Joy that's complete and abundant. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for us that's greater than what we're going through at the moment. God, we thank you that you give joy in abundance that's complete and full. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus on the spiritual truths around joy rather than on our current circumstances. Father, for those who are going through difficult times at the, mo at the moment, I pray especially for them that they will sense that you are with them in this time and that joy can be found again, that you will restore that joy to them that they once knew. Father, I pray that all of us will get a sense of the joy of our salvation and that will deepen our relationship with you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoy going through this series in Philippians, focusing on the joy that the Lord can give. God bless.